Well, good morning, Gold Avenue Church family. It is a gift to be in this position. I feel like usually I'm leading worship and singing on the stage, but it's a gift to be able to share the word with you all this morning. And uh, we are kicking off a new series called Gold from Gold, and so different members of our congregation will be bringing the word. And I know for me it was one of these opportunities where it's just like, Okay, Lord, what do you want to speak through me, and how is all of this going to work together with everyone who's preaching? And uh, the Lord brought me to this passage in Acts 3, is where we'll be this morning, Acts 3, 1 through 10. And uh, already this word is just a timely word for this morning, as we are going to be reading the story of healing that's ministered to a man. And we've had themes of that already this morning, and I'm just expectant for how the Lord is going to move in all of our hearts and even flow out from this place through the word that he has for us. Um, Before we jump right into the text, there's a question that I'd love for us to just ponder together that's kind of, that's been on my heart as kind of the, the theme of where this text is going. And it's, have you ever received something that was greater than what you expected? Have you ever received something that just far exceeded those expectations that you had? And as I was thinking about this, I looked in my own life and maybe it was a birthday present or a Christmas present that you received. And it was like, oh my word, you really got that for me? And just that feeling of overwhelmed at the gift that someone gave or it could be financial provision or we've heard testimonies of healing from Lori's neighborhood. It's like this, this tumor is shrinking. This was far exceeding the expectation that I had in this scenario. And, and for me, one of the most recent examples is this past year, I was blessed to live with a married couple and their one-year-old son. And uh, at the time, a year or so ago, I was looking for a place to live that was close to my work. And so I was like, I want to live somewhere closer to Grand Rapids. That would be great. And was just waiting on the Lord. He was just like, just wait, I'll provide for you. And little did I know that I would be moving in with this family and have the gift of being able to be a part of their family, to care for their son, and to be closer to my work. And it was just such a gift to me of how the Lord's like, Marissa, you were just looking for something that was so small. But I have so much more to offer you in this place to live and have so much more to reveal of myself to you. And so that was a time for me that was just a way the Lord far exceeded my expectations. And so as we turn in our text to Acts 3, uh, this is the passage that takes place right after Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the believers, and Peter and John are those believers who'd been empowered by the Spirit. And then we turn to Acts 3, and we're wondering, so what does this look like? Uh, And so we'll be reading verses 1 through 10. So one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. And so what a dramatic story. As the Holy Spirit is poured out, empowering these new believers, we encounter Peter and John living into this new reality. And I want to highlight the beginning of this text because Peter and John, what are they doing? They're going about business as usual. They're on their way to the temple to pray at three in the afternoon. And this was a normal rhythm for devout Jews. Devout Jews would go up to the temple three times a day to pray. And so Peter and John are just resuming their normal lives. And I would imagine that's somewhat similar for us too, just Going about normal lives, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet you continue to live life in this world here. And so I imagine Peter and John are walking along, and maybe they're talking about, I mean, can you believe how amazing it was that this prophecy was fulfilled? The Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. Now, how are we supposed to be witnesses of this? And man, Lord, how is your kingdom going to come through us? We just saw 3,000 people come to know you. How are we going to disciple all of these people and what it means to follow Jesus? And they're just walking along, talking about life, passing the same people, probably walking alongside of the same people they usually walk with. And then they stop. And they see this man sitting at this gate called Beautiful. And most likely they would have passed this man multiple times a day uh, as they were on their way to the temple and just passed by. It was common for these beggars to sit at the gate and beg. And this time, Peter and John stop. And as I reflected on this, uh, we can infer from our text that the Holy Spirit prompted Peter and John to stop here. No longer were they just um, seeking the Lord and praying for how to live, but they had been empowered by the Spirit to discern with him how they were to walk in step with the Spirit and honor Jesus and to share the Father's heart with his people. And so they're walking along, and then they're prompted. And I, I love to just think about, I wonder how the Spirit prompted Peter. And I was reflecting on my own life and some others too, and was thinking, well, maybe the Spirit was just like, wait. And Peter and John are walking along and talking, and all of a sudden it's just like, wait. It's like, okay, why are we waiting? And then as the Spirit continues to lead, realizing, hey, the Lord wanted to minister healing to this man. Or maybe they're walking along, and Peter hears the word, look at him. And he's just like, oh, I have to look at him. So he's like, hey, look at us. And that's how the Spirit ministers. Or maybe we know that the Spirit speaks through pictures and visions. And so maybe Peter's walking along, and he sees this man, and he sees this picture of this man getting up and walking. And he's like, okay, Lord, is this what we're doing today? And walks in step with the Spirit to minister healing to this beggar who had been sitting at this gate. And this is the life that we, too, are invited into. This life of walking in step with the Spirit 
we go through our normal rhythms of life, and I know for me this is the case where you have your time that you wake up, the time that you leave the house, and you see some of the same people, whether it be someone walking their dog down the sidewalk or people sitting at a bus stop or neighbors out getting their mail. And it's we see these same people day after day, and oftentimes it's just the simple like, hello, as we're going by. But sometimes, as we notice in this text, the Spirit prompts us to act differently and has a divine appointment arranged for us in those days. And so just the encouragement and the exhortation to be walking in step with the Spirit so we too can be a part of God moving in amazing ways in those around us. And so then Peter and John are walking along. They notice this man and Peter says, look at us to this man. And he's expecting to receive something from them. And he's expecting to receive money. He'd been placed at this gate day after day. And we read later in this passage that he had been lame for over 40 years. 40 years. I can't even comprehend 40 years of life. And, and then you're, you're here for 40 years. This is the only reality that you know. All I know is that my life is sitting at this gate asking for money. And my hope is that someone will give me enough money that I can make it through this day. He wasn't expecting to be healed. He wasn't asking to be healed. He most likely didn't even have faith that that could even be possible, that he could be healed. And we too find our place, find ourselves in this place of longing, longing for something. And sometimes those longings are these expectations, Lord, give me health and strength for this day. Lord, help me to make it through this day of work. Give me strength just enough for this day, Lord. Uh, Lord, would you provide enough for this month's rent? Uh, Lord, would you just help our family to get along today, help everyone to behave in the car on the way here? And there are these little prayers. There's nothing wrong with these expectations, but it's all these, these things that we can expect. This man, he could expect to receive money and hoped that he could receive that money. But... Sometimes those unspoken longings are what our hearts really desire. And this man longed to be healed, but that wasn't even a possibility. He had no faith that that could even be possible. And this is where it hits home, because I think so often we find ourselves in these places where we really do. We long for healing for a brain tumor, but we're like, Lord, can you really do that? Lord, we really want you to do that. And we're like, Lord, I need faith to be able to pray for this to happen. And Lord, I've been working this same job for years, and it's just a job to pay the bills. God, is it even possible for my job to be satisfying, for my boss and I to actually get along? Uh, Lord, what about this relationship? I've never had a good relationship with this person, or it's been broken for so long, I can't even imagine what it looks like for this to be restored. Lord, can I even ask for you to provide that this relationship would be mended? What would it even look like? Lord, I don't even know. And yet, in this text, the Lord far exceeds the expectation of this beggar and answers the longing of his heart because he knew the longing of his heart and he wanted to give that good gift to this man. And so as Peter and John are walking along and they see this beggar, 
Peter had something so much greater to give him than money. And so he goes to him, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he takes him by the right hand and immediately this beggar who had been lame for 40 years, his ankles become strong and he begins to walk, walk. He'd never walked. He's walking and he's jumping and he's praising God. <laughs> what? How did the Lord just go exponentially more than what this man was expecting? And so he goes with Peter and John into the temple courts declaring the praises of God and everyone is amazed by this. And yet we wonder, and this is where I want to take us, but what is it that Peter has to give that's greater than silver and gold? What is it? And part of me was thinking the Holy Spirit had just been poured out at Pentecost on all believers. And so is Peter giving this gift of the Holy Spirit to this man that he might have ever-flowing life in Christ? And while that's what the Holy Spirit does, we know that the Spirit's given to those who believe in Jesus. And then you can be empowered by the Spirit. And so he's not giving the Spirit. And then the human mind goes back to, I like this one, where you're, maybe Peter's giving him the ability to walk. Because what I have, I give you. Peter's like, hey, I can walk. Let me give you the ability to walk. And this argument falls far too short because we realize that power does not lie within Peter to walk. Uh, it's not like I can go walk into a hospital and because I'm healthy, I can just make every single person well because I'm healthy. It doesn't work that way because the power didn't lie within Peter. And so then Peter is giving this man the gift of healing, the gift of healing that money can't buy, but a gift that's given by the Holy Spirit, the spirit who just been poured out on Peter. And he'd given this man the gift of walking, being healed in Jesus name. And yes, that's true. But the Lord is like, Marissa, I'm doing something so much greater in this text than just ministering healing to this man. And in order for us to, to soak this in, there's, I want us to look at some passages where Jesus is ministering to people. And the first one is when Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Uh, who are hungry. He'd been teaching them, and he's given five loaves of bread and two fish. And he multiplies this bread, providing for the physical needs of these people. And they're all, oh my word, look at this. We are fed. How is this even possible? This is amazing. And yet in John 6:35, Jesus replies to them. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying, I'm doing something greater than this miracle of providing for the physical needs of people. And then we go to Luke 10, where these 72 believers are sent out to be able, in the power and authority of Jesus, to heal people, to perform miracles, to cast out demons of people. And they come back, and I can only imagine the excitement. They come back, wow, even the demons submitted to us. Isn't this amazing? And Jesus replies to them, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Yes, the demons submit to you, but I'm doing something even greater than just having this sign that you see here. It's pointing to something greater. And then in Matthew 27, uh, 
Jesus is on the cross as this so-called Messiah, just like others had been crucified, claiming to be king, and all of a sudden he, he dies, and there's an earthquake, there's tombs that are open, there's darkness that's been going on, and everybody's perplexed at what's going on. And we read a centurion's response in verse 54 when he says, When the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Yes, there is an earthquake. Yes, there's darkness. Yes, tombs are being opened and all of these things are impossible on human standards. But they point to something so much greater. And this, in our text, we see what's greater than healing. What's greater than financial provision. What's greater than the providing of physical needs. What's greater than casting out demons, a good job. What's greater than comfort. What's greater than all that we have. And the answer is Jesus. What Peter was giving this beggar is not only healing, but he was inviting him into a relationship with Jesus. This beggar, he saw Jesus walk by on his way to the temple. He probably heard rumblings about this so-called Messiah, this Jesus of Nazareth. And then he hears these words of Peter, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And his eyes are open, and he's like, this Jesus is the Messiah. He's my healer. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's the one who's given me life. He's given me joy. And he can't contain it. And he goes into the temple courts and he's just praising, praising God for who he is because he came to know Jesus and he was completely transformed. And Gold Avenue Church family, this is the gospel for us. As those who've encountered Jesus, our lives are completely transformed And we've been, just like Peter, giving this gift to give that's so much greater than silver and gold. So much greater than what this world has to offer. And we're a part of God's kingdom coming and being a part of healing that points people towards Jesus. That they too might know him and find life. Because Peter knew Jesus. Because that's you can't give someone, give something that you don't already have. And Peter knew Jesus as the one who called him out of the boat and who said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so Peter had this trust in Jesus as his teacher. And Peter saw Jesus heal his mother-in-law of a fever. He encountered Jesus as a healer. Peter was there at the feeding of the 5,000 and saw Jesus multiply bread. And yet Peter also encountered the grace of Jesus that he was able to give in situations to people who were longing. Because Peter walked out on water, but he doubted because he saw the waves, and he fell, and yet Jesus picked him up. And so Peter encountered Jesus meeting him in that place, as well as those places when when Peter didn't want Jesus to suffer. Peter didn't understand why Jesus would have to suffer for him and told him, hey, don't suffer. Jesus is like, Peter, you don't understand. This is why I've come. And even after Peter denied Jesus being the Messiah, the resurrected Jesus encountered Peter and said, You are my disciple, Peter. Feed my sheep. Peter, go tell people about who I am. I'm not the one who's rejecting you because of your lack of faith, but I'm empowering you in the midst of this to be a minister of my kingdom, one who can bring healing and hope to a world that is longing for something, for someone greater. 
Share, the, share me with the world, Peter, is what Jesus invited Peter to be a part of. And I don't know about you, but this is something that Jesus has done for me time and time again. Uh, I shared with you how my living situation this past year has been such a gift to me and an unexpected uh, treasure because I've had the gift of caring for this one-year-old boy. And uh, I had no idea what the Lord had in store in this. But of being able to care for a boy and know that when I have to pick him up to put him in his high chair or when I have to carry him and put him into his crib, the Lord's like, Marissa, even more, I carry you and I help you, Marissa. And when I am singing over him as I'm putting him down for nap or in the morning or while he's crying, the Lord's like, Marissa, even more, I'm singing over you every day. And Marissa... You think you love this boy, and you do. You love him so much, even after knowing him for a year. But Marissa, so much more, I love you. I gave my son Jesus for you, my only son whom I love, because I wanted a relationship with you, Marissa. I love you. I'm just like, Lord, how did you place me in a place that I thought was just a place to live, and you had so much more for me to reveal the love of Christ to me? And so as we come to a close, church family, I wonder how the Lord might want to meet the longings of our hearts this morning. Maybe they're the unspoken longings of this beggar. Longing for something, but you're like, man, it has been years. And I don't even know if I can ask. I don't have the faith to ask for something like that. How might the Lord want to meet us in this place? Or maybe... We know we've received something so great in Jesus. And this is a gift that's not meant to just keep to ourselves, but a gift that's meant to be shared with those around us. That's the gift of knowing Jesus. It doesn't stop with me, but it continues on in sharing with others. And so for some of us, we've been a part of this prophecy course at Gold. And we acknowledge the gift of prophecy and being able to share a word with someone from the Lord and being able to do so in leading them to Jesus also. Hey, this is from Jesus. This isn't from me. And inviting someone into a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe like Peter and John, we see the same people day after day. And what would it look like if the Holy Spirit prompted us this week to encounter them? And to be able to introduce them to Jesus. Maybe it's through a prophetic word. Maybe it's through healing. Maybe it's just through sharing the gospel with them. But what would it look like for us to take that step of faith and share this gift of Jesus with a world that's longing for someone greater than what this world has to offer? And this is the good news of the kingdom. That in Christ, we have the greatest gift to give to this world. And it starts with us. And we get to be a part of this for all eternity and sharing Christ with those around us. And so I would love to just close us in prayer and just asking the Spirit to empower us to be those disciples that speak Jesus, that share Jesus with others this week, and those who invite Jesus to minister to our hearts in those places of deep longing uh, for something greater. And so let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the greatest gift. You are the one who is worthy, 
worthy of all of our praise, worthy of every song we could sing, every breath we could breathe, every praise we could bring. Jesus, there's no one like you. And Jesus, we thank you that you can speak into every situation, even if it might seem impossible. Even if we don't have the faith to ask, we thank you that you can move in all situations. And you showed us that most prominently on the cross, where you showed us where there was no way you can make a way. And we thank you for making a way for us to be in relationship with the Father. For revealing your great love to us in Christ that we might share that great love with others. And so we pray that you would empower us to be faithful this week, that we would be faithful and filled with joy to be able to share Jesus with those around us. And so we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.